0: Gaelic, Petodri, the home of Aberdeen Football Club. It roughly translates to, and I can't use the re- the real word, otherwise uh, YouTube will throw us in front of a moving train, Jackins, but it means
1: Brad Pitt Heap. Oh, very nice.
0: Otherwise known maybe as a place of manure, a hill of dung, a mountain of faeces.
1: I like the fact you said Brad Pitt. Do you know that his brother is called Doug Pitt? Doug Pitt? Yeah, honestly, and he looks more like Zach Braff than Brad Pitt.
0: And what does he do for a living? Does he Is he a grave digger? I hope so.
1: I hope so as well. I don't know. I think he's just coasting around being Brad Pitt's brother. What a nice life
0: to have. Anyway, yeah. welcome, believe it or not, to the Hold and Give <laughs> Football podcast. I am Ross Tweddle, joined by the Morris Vaults to my Zat Knight, Jack Atkins. How are you doing this
1: afternoon? I'm all right. I'm the uh, Northwest football correspondent now, officially.
0: Is that what we're going to do if we get big time? Have like regional correspondence? Yeah, why not? I'll be the northeast one. Jack will be the northeast one. Other uh, Jack will be the northeast one. I mean, Owen will be the northwest one with you. Joel yeah. will be the northwest one with you. Yeah, we've just we've got the northwest and northeast is sorted, which is nice. But if you want to, you know, if you're watching, and maybe we we'll get to a certain point, just you know, keep some time free in your diary We'll come <laughs> hunting for you. Anyway, we'll get on to the big week of news in the soccer. We've just recorded this Wednesday afternoon. England squad has been announced for the games against Malta and North Macedonia on June the 16th and June the 19th, and Club England remains jargons. I know this is weird for me to be speaking to you about this as a a, a resident of the former People's... Well, the, the People's Republic of Liverpool, I guess I could call it. Is that what it's yeah. known as over there? Ah, uh, why not? Yeah. You couldn't give a toss about England, but it seems like a topical thing to talk about. Harry <laughs> Maguire and Calvin Phillips have kept their places despite never really playing a game of football between them recently.
1: Yeah, Phillips has really surprised me. I was also surprised to see Jordan Henderson in there because he's looked absolutely knackered all season, but he just. Southgate likes him, wants him in there for the calming presence, but yeah. Um... Yeah, a couple, of, a couple of weird choices in there.
0: It's Club England, though. you got to make it feel like... A, it's a, cu- a blessing and a curse. you got to make it feel like a football club, which means you've got to keep the crap ones there all the time to you know <laughs> for camaraderie, for continuously. So like. But the big news, I guess, in terms of new faces, Eberechi Eze from Crystal Palace has got his first senior call-up. Ever since whoa, whoa, Hudson
1: went back to Crystal Palace, he's been absolutely fantastic. Eze has been, yeah, he's been mint. Absolutely mint. A very deserved call-up, seeing a lot of people online. Boss and for the lad, so yeah, no uh, no qualms with that call up there.
0: Elsewhere, Lewis Dunk has got his first call-up for the first time in four years. He's just a, he's just a big a big chopper, isn't he? A big dirty chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Brighton play. or tried to play football against Newcastle at St James's Park last week, and Lewis Dunk would take the goal kicks to the goalkeeper. I've never seen this done before in my life. Six yard box. He played across the steel. He would then try and play it across again to another centre half, and it didn't work the entire night. So that's Lewis Dunk. He's got a fantastic header on him. I'm sure he looks lovely at the whatever the the. the is called these days but it, it feels like a bit of a weird one to do now.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if Southgate's just thinking oh, you know, got to freshen it up somewhere because a few people have been calling for his head, haven't they? Like like you said, as a resident of the People's Republic of, of Liverpool, <laughs> I, I don't always keep both eyes on England. I'm not one of these want England to lose kind of thing. I'm just, I'm a club over country man but um, from what I've seen Southgate, doesn't play the most exciting football, gets results but... What do you think he should do going forward? You're what more the think- than me. Yeah.
0: To be fair, as long as it's working, it's working, isn't it? You know, we got to a final, got to a semi-final in the last two tournaments, so it is working. Mm. But it just—it's when it's not going to work then. Calls like Phillips, who you know he started his first game of the season on the second, last, well third last game of the season for Manchester yeah. City. Uh, people like Maguire who haven't really kicked a football in anger in many many months. That's when that stuff will feel like it's a bad move, and you should maybe have people who are in form flying. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's just until the wheels fall off, I feel like it's just going to be, yeah, fair enough, it's working so far, yeah. why not? Um, Elsewhere in the squad, Marcus Rashford's included, despite his recent little injury, uh, troubles, I guess is the right word to use there. Uh, Trent's in there, interestingly, even though Gareth clearly does not rate him one bit, doesn't trust him, does he? I mean,
1: you know, if I speak, as they famously say, uh, I don't know... I wonder if he is just going to if he does get any game time if he's going to stick him in the fullback position or if he is going to try and play him in the role he's had for Liverpool recently more that kind of midfield role Ball. This who is
0: knows. Gareth Southgate. There is not a hope in hell. He's going to try and make one player play two positions at the same time because he tried to play Trent in centre midfield once upon a time. I forget who he was against, and it didn't quite work. It wasn't. It was at Wembley. I remember that much, but it didn't quite work. He doesn't trust him as like his defensive qualities at right back. I think if he's playing a three at the back, which he shouldn't be doing, by the way, against North Macedonia, and who was it? Mulder For goodness' sake, yeah. play one at the back, Gareth. What's wrong with you? Come on. Um, if he's going to play, th- if he's going to play a three centre halves, what's wrong with having Trent on there bombing? On, just going where he wants to go you've got three centre halves there on the cover
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining Harry Maguire on his own as the one at the back just looking absolutely terrified just like where's that just- gone gone Michael Misford whatever he used to be called Malta's greatest ever football
0: I assume he's still playing he probably isn't Coventry forward from back in the day scored at Old Trafford Malta's greatest ever export I tell you I reckon he'll be running through one on one and Maguire will try to head him even though the ball's on the deck that's what he'll try to do
1: you say one on one he's got to get through a seven man midfield if that's the case (laughs) I
0: believe in Malta ticky tacky Malta Uh, what else have we got there Ben White hasn't got back into the squad surprising or is it surprising because apparently everything went kaput at the World Cup he apparently fell out with uh, Garris' assistant Mr. Holland um, yeah. is that a surprise for you or not?
1: Well no it's, like you said if it's if it's Club England and he wants to get that sense of harmony and all the lads on tour if someone's going to be upset in the apple cart you want to get him out don't you?
0: Uh, and there's no place for basically any Chelsea players Which is deservedly so And Nick Pope, just in case you're wondering He's got hand surgery which has been postponed Until Newcastle's Champions League qualification was secured So Sam Johnson, who's been in fine form for Crystal Palace, I guess He looks, yeah. a couple of saves on match today is all I'm going off really But he looks like, he's, he's a goalkeeper, isn't
1: he? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I was going to say he's got to be better than Jordan Pickford But Pickford loves playing for England, doesn't he? So
0: Pickford for England's like prime, oh careful now careful now. Who's a really calm goalkeeper? Edwin <laughs> van der Sar, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I was going to say Oliver Kahn, a man famously not calm at all in because the slightest. He might be the one goalkeeper in football history, apart from
0: Schumacher who beheaded that Spaniard way back in the day, or Frenchman sorry, back in the day, uh, in the World Cup. Well, yeah, was it? I forget what it was. In the 80s or the 70s, something like that. And apart yeah. from Oliver Kahn, maybe Pickford is the third most angry goalkeeper in the history of football.
1: Ooh, um,
0: yeah, that's probably a good shout, actually. I bet there's more. The comments will be going wild. <laughs> Elsewhere, Juventus have been docked 10 points following a new hearing of the club's past transfer dealings. They were initially handed a 15-point penalty in January, but at least highest sporting court has overturned that decision in April and all of the case to be re-examined. That's where the 10 points has come in. The ruling was announced on Monday before the team went down 4-1 at Empoli. It drops them down to seventh place in uh, Serie A. They were second, and crucially, they are now, with two games remaining, uh, five points behind Milan in fourth position What's your initial reaction to oh, all that
1: bollocks They just can't help themselves Can they <laughs> Juve They are like they're, they are just baddies And I love Italian football And I, I've always had Not a soft spot but a begrudging respect For Juve But How many times have they been done for scandals For cheating, how many times have they had points docked and dropped down to Serie B And fines etc, they're never going to stop They're never going to change
0: they're getting a nice average of one per decade obviously they had the one in the <laughs> mid-noughties this one is uh, to do with uh, the close past transfer deal in spanning two years from 2019 so you know technically yeah. fits the last decade uh, 2021 yeah. by the FIGC who apparently own Liverpool do they not? ha <laughs> ha no they don't a uh, uh, football uh, banner Juventus uh, uh. uh, were accused of fixing their balance sheets by artificial gains of around 60 million euros from club transfers uh, charges they were found guilty of by FIGC's appeals court in January and they denied any wrong Doing, but it's not worked
1: for them. <laughs> Don't
0: know why I'm laughing so much. Just
1: Fabio Capello somewhere, just sweating for no reason.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to sign Boom Song again for the second division. <laughs> it's not that bad, Juventus fans, if you're out there. I doubt there's any no Juventus fans watching this anyway, but I, it's, a, it's a weird one to see. Um, hmm. And from, well, unless you're a Juventus fan, quite jovial, sad news. Now we get the proper side news. It's the whole Vinicius Junior uh, scenario. If you did, if you missed it over the weekend, there, Vinicius was dis- uh, dismissed following a, a VAR check for pushing Valencia's uh, Hugo Do- uh, Duro uh, to the floor. That's because the uh, the VAR, VAR oh, I put my teeth in, Ross. The VAR footage showed the on field referee did not include the part where Duro grabbed the Brazilian around the neck before he did his stuff, and that was a an astonishing thing to watch on Twitter. That's where I saw it on Saturday or Sunday, wherever it was. Amazing to see that go down.
1: Yeah, it was one of those, like you said, again, viewing it over Twitter, it it kind of just seemed to snowball because there was the initial Twitter. Obviously, you're in a Twitter bubble, but there's that initial bubble talking about it that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you're seeing opinion pieces, and there's been deserved absolute uproar about it.
0: Yeah, so it's obviously sparked from uh, racism from the Valencia fans toward Vinicius Junior. He reacted, which... Oh, my... You can't yeah. blame it. We're seeing it grow right. more and more. And I think it's the right thing for them to do. I think walking off the pitch and doing stuff like that, having to go back, not having to go back, but just taking action rather than just, you know, you go back to the famous example of England versus Spain in the mid-noughties when Ashley Cole and players like that were getting it, nothing really happened. Gary Neville spoke of his regret of that entire situation. So the more things we see where action's being taken, the better because it's still not going far enough, is it?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, we even saw it from members of the press afterwards when they were trying to... Well, not, not justify it, but say the Valencia fans, you can't tar him over the same brush. They weren't, what were they saying? They was saying he's a, an imbecile or something like that in Spanish. Yeah. And Ancelotti saw his arse, rightfully. And it's the fallout from it's been, I think this is going to rumble on for quite a while.
0: Yeah, uh, Vinicius issued a statement where he said it in practice the racism was not the first time, not the second time, not the third racism is normal in La Liga the competition thinks it's normal, so does the federation and the opponents encourage it I am so sorry, in Brazil Spain is known as a country of racists uh, Vinicius then wanted to hint on that he might because of the abuse uh, leave Spanish football when he said I will go all the way against the racists even if far from here and you kind of blame him can
1: you? No definitely not and it's it's problems we see time and time again, especially more with continental Europe. Obviously, there's uh, plenty of examples in Spain. Italy as well have had, even against their own uh, players. Remember when Balotelli yeah. was at Inter and Inter fans were giving him absolute abuse. Um, obviously, England, we still. it's not as bad as it seems to be elsewhere. I don't know if that's rose-tinted glasses, but obviously, we are two white men talking about exactly, this. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it's... The steps in the right direction, but then things like, we'll come on to it in a bit, La Liga's um, response to it just takes it back a little bit more, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, big time. Valencia have been sanctioned with a partial stadium closure for five matches following the abuse, um, which is the stand where the three uh fans who have been accused of doing uh what they were doing uh, where they were seated uh, spanish police have detained three people in connection with the abuse directed at the brazilian on sunday Valencia's also been fined forty five thousand euros which is thirty nine thousand pounds i know valencia have got the financial struggles and whatnot but that is nowhere near enough you would say yeah um Vinicius red card by the way has been rescinded from the match meaning we'll not have to serve a suspension and valencia have responded to the entire like Stadium closure, the fine—um—to uh, is disproportionate, disproportionate, unjust, and unprecedented. Which is
1: wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those you you you've got to take Vinicius side You've got to if you, <laughs> it's hard to it, find the words. Really, it's it's just like I said. The way Valencia—they're just like, oh, what about we don't deserve this? It's like, well, if if it's your fans. We, you can't just like ban the fans because who's to say that more fans might not do it next time or that there might be a a rot already in the fan base itself? You, yeah, like we said, 39,000 pounds, 45,000 euros. It's it's nothing really in football.
0: Nah, and um, we to the Javier Tabas a little bit later on in the podcast in a new mm. segment that we like to call twat of the week <laughs> elsewhere in the news from the last week Manchester City have won the Premier League just in case you've missed it Arsenal bottled it away at Nottingham Forest a game which I had predicted 3-0 to the Arsenal uh, because I'd quite obviously not realised what a fortress the City ground has become and I expected Arsenal to bounce back a lot better than they did against an open team like Forest after that yeah. win uh, sorry that defeat at home to Brighton
1: yeah it's I mean City isn't it it's just it's boring now <laughs> that's your fault that you scoutsers I'm crestfallen I remember before a ball was kicked this season I said if it's not Liverpool winning it I want anyone but City because I don't want it to become Bundesliga and if it wasn't for us winning it um, what 2019-2020 season it would have been what six on the bounce for City six on the bounce yeah I'm frightened I am frightened because um, they're just going to get better they kind of get even better. Um, Arsenal, I think, overachieved the season, but still, like I said, they, they led the season for most of the season. How many times can I say the word season in one sentence? But they as led many the- as you like, as many as you like. They led the pack for most of the season and then, like you said, bottled it. There's no other word for it. Um, me and my friends, we were talking about it because when it looked like Arsenal were, you know, cantering towards victory, we were just kind of like... Oh, we don't want them to have it easy at the first time. We've lost it lost it twice by a point. They need that heartbreak to spare them on next time. So a, a little bit of me is kind of glad that they farted it. But, <laughs> but no, it's... It, um... yeah.
0: The sparing on seems to be the, the theme of my thoughts. It's like you can't expect Liverpool to be as bad next season, Chelsea to be as bad next season. I don't think Chelsea will get top four next year, but they'll be a lot closer than they were this time around, surely. So hopefully that gap, while it's it's you know just Arsenal and City up there by themselves, basically, and then the rest of us fighting for third, fourth and fifth and something like that. Um, yeah. Hopefully that gap between everybody will be a bit closer
1: next year. I hope so, yeah. It's, it's, it's been an odd season. It's been an odd season because, obviously, like I said, from a Liverpool perspective, I'm just like, ah, oh, we've we've dropped the ball in in a, a campaign where City have, you know, until recently, had seemingly dropped the ball, but they've peaked at the right time. Like I said, Newcastle have had a fantastic season. Chelsea have I, I can't get over how bad they've been this year.
0: They're below Fulham now. They're going at less than I think they're going around about a point a game now. Chelsea, which is sensational.
1: I think I heard something. What was it that? they were en route to finish in the bottom half of the table for the first time since, what, like, 98? 90, something like that,
0: yeah. Yeah, But the, so. back when they were a cup team and nothing else. Up <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Vialli. <laughs> um, <Joker>. so, uh, <laughs> rest in peace as well. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. He died, didn't he? <laughs> anyway, um, is this the best Manchester City team we've seen? I think that's the big discussion. People are saying either Pep's twenty nineteen, that eighteen nineteen sort of team, or this twenty twenty three team. I think it just wipes the floor with eighteen nineteen, personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's frightening because you look at them at the weekend against Chelsea, basically playing the kids, <laughs> and they swarmed them in the first ten minutes. They were all over them. They were. F- it's it's an embarrassment of riches, and like we said, they're going to improve. Well, I reckon they'll probably sell Calvin Phillips they'll probably there was I think Laporte
0: is going as well from centre-half so they've got that to replace as well
1: I heard rumours I think somewhere linking Gundogan with a move away maybe to Arsenal Barcelona
0: um, as well I've seen link because he's not signed a new deal he's going to go on a free which I find astonishing from a Manchester City point of view that Prime Zidane basically for the past two months of
1: the season is going to be going yeah. to go on a free and, and your club captain as well Yeah. so like I said <laughs> cheat codes not, not cheat as in game cheat codes. Well,
0: potentially cheat codes if those 115 violations come to fruition. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and people wanted to call Liverpool's title win asterisks asterisk FC. Yeah, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's have a conversation about that. But they're the, the fantastic city, regardless of whatever means they've come to it. The amount of talent they have at their disposal and Pep Guardiola as much as I like to you know call him a bald fraud out of anger he's a fantastic manager and as I was saying a second ago for most of this year be like ah City they've had one of their you know one of the seasons where they're just not looking up to the up to pace up to the boil and what is it now 12 on the bounce or something yeah, it's basically
0: something ridiculous Diaz has come back in the team and they just basically haven't lost ever since
1: yeah it's, it's frightening that's the only word for it it's frightening
0: the other big issue uh, resolved in the Premier League over the weekend, or Monday night I should say, was Newcastle securing a top four position, this might be an interesting discussion, considering I'm a Newcastle fan, that man there's a Liverpool fan a fantastic 0-0 draw <laughs> at home to Leicester, where both teams stopped playing with about three or four minutes to go, I'm sure people will be looking at that in a very, very scrutinous way, I don't know if they will do, but it just felt a bit weird that they, just, they both stopped playing Newcastle got the point they needed, Leicester got a good point that they set up the game to get um, with the five at the back and whatnot. Obviously, we've got to mention if, uh, before that game took place. Liverpool drawing one-one at home to Aston Villa—a score I predicted right. So, that up your arseholes. I thought that uh, <laughs> I thought that Emery would uh, make like, a European away day in a semi-final of a cup or something like that at Anfield. But w- the big contentious thing was the VAR calls, and I think I'll just let you
1: rant about it if you want. Yeah, it wasn't—it uh, it wasn't a good refereeing performance by. By any means, was it? Um The ref was the fourth official who Jurgen Klopp berated recently. Uh, and <laughs> So obviously the first match that Jurgen Klopp has a touchline ban, who's the ref? And I was like, oh, okay, you can pick someone else. Um So what comes around actually does go around. Yeah, we've been calling it the Tierney tax, the Paul Tierney tax after recently. I mean, Cody Gakpo gets... Kung Fu kicked in the chest. <laughs> Literally takes off his shirt to show these big three gash, but well, not gash marks. Big scratches. Allison's go metal saying He's just been kicked in the chest. I'm like, but well, we've given a yellow card now. Um, uh, an offside that was definitely not offside. Uh, there was calls for a Jordan Henderson penalty, which could have gone either way. It was, it was a shocking and referee in display. Um, and we appealed to the referees, and of course they just said. Well, no, nothing, nothing wrong with our decisions. It's like, well, of course you're going to say that.
0: Well, they had Howard so, Webb on Sky Sports recently showing the ones they did get right without yeah. showing the ones they didn't get right. Uh, and it's nice to see VAR going, not the way of Liverpool after, you know, what happened at Anfield with Isaac and whatnot at the start of the season. It's just it all evens itself out, doesn't it, Jack? I, I mean, you know,
1: everyone... Every fan of every club likes to think that there's a conspiracy against them. Newcastle's dropped at least <laughs>
0: at least fifteen points this season because of our uh, Liverpool away, Palace at home, Wolves away, there's lots
1: of them. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got a mate on Twitter who all season he's a Newcastle fan. He's just been saying, "Ah, oh, they don't want us breaking into the top four. They want to keep the elite safe. And it's like, yeah, they did a great job of that with you, you know, qualifying <laughs> for the Champions League and being fantastic. And I guess um, I'll give I'll give you a
0: couple of minutes if you want to gush over the, the four lads who are leaving. I watched that uh, going away. A bit where they all got the guard of honour and saw King Kenny at the end and had a good little laugh with him I guess Bobby Firmino is
1: the most heart wrenching one is he yeah it's emotional he's been absolutely superb since we signed him um, and the fact that he got that goal at the end should have been a winning goal but you know it's still a consolation goal we're going to miss him luckily it looks like we're grooming Gakpo to take over that role so if he keeps going on the way that he's already started, we should be okay. James Milner again been a, a hell of a, a servant. He's th- he's the last of a dying breed of that kind of utility man. Play anywhere you want him to on the field. Your Morris Walters
0: um, of the world, as I said at the top of the podcast. Uh, well, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oxley Chamberlain, who's been very unlucky with injuries, because when he first came to us, he was an important part of that midfield uh, the goals against City in the Champions League uh, a similar one he scored in the Premier League as well and then just not the same player after too many injuries Naby Keita as well we hoped he'd be the second coming of Gerrard we thought he was going to be this absolute destroyer when he played he looked fantastic but we'd only guarantee what like 60 minutes a season so <laughs> it's yeah it was it was nice to see like because obviously Chamberlain and Kate, uh, there's a portion you know it's the saying I hate the most on Twitter because footy banter on Twitter is terrible when when people are just like get out of my club it's like shut up he's not been a great player but it's not like he's there you know sabotaging the place and you know pissing in the sink and stuff like that I
0: know he cost he cost a fair bit didn't he I think it was 50-60 like fifty, sixty million quid, wasn't it, for Naby Keïta, something yeah, like that? And yeah. he's obviously been nowhere near that sort of standard, but he has had a couple of standout moments for Liverpool. I Definitely. mean, isn't As a Newcastle fan, when I think it was when you were going for the league, I think was it, or maybe challenging City one of those years, you got a goal away St James's Park. Yeah, That's the only yeah. one I know. I'm sure you've got more examples to off the top of your head.
1: <laughs> well, um, he, he scored, you know, a few important goals in Europe. Whenever he played, I always thought that him and Salah had a nice understanding. But again, the amount of time they had on the pitch together was. You know, next to none, but I don't know. I, I don't know what he does next. I think either a return to Germany or like maybe a slower-paced league like Italy, because I don't know if it was because Klopp trains and plays in a very aggressive style. It's very taxing. They always say the Premier League is very taxing as well. So, ever he just needs a a calmer change hmm. of pace, because um, there is a player in there. There is a hell of a player in there, but just. Made out of crisps. <laughs> what flavour? Ooh, uh, a nice, let's say, what do I know? prawn cocktail. A
0: prawn cocktail? Ooh, very mm, fancy. Yeah, yeah. How delightful. My favourite flavour. <laughs> anyway, you say Gakpo could be the one to replace. Or he's looking like being the one to replace Firmino. Mm. To me, he was, you know watched him not too many times before the World Cup, a few times during the World Cup, and a few times since the World Cup. It seems like running and getting him behind is his strong suit.
1: How is yeah, he going to adapt
0: to being like more back to goal than not?
1: There's been a few times with uh, you know, a mid-game management where we've had four forwards on and he's not dropped more. He's not quite the false nine, not quite an attacking midfielder, but he's just been a little bit deeper. Um, I do think he is going to be our first... I think he's going to be starting next season, basically. I think Nunes is going to be our bench player. He's not one in two anymore, Ross He's not one in two anymore. The fence is gone. <laughs> I like him. He's he's <laughs> chaos. But he just when we when we signed Gakpo because obviously we were crying out for midfielders. A lot of us were like, why have we signed him? I hope it's not just a good World Cup. I, I didn't want him to be the next Baborski. <laughs> he's been El Hajti Oh, let's let's not mention him. <laughs> We could have had Nicholas and Elka. We could have <laughs> kept him, but we thought, no, let's sign El Hadj, Chief. Um, but he's just been superb. He's just been. <sighs> There's no better way of saying it than, or, or no clearer way of saying it than that. He just gets it straight away. He he, he, understands, the, he understands the task. Because one of the things with Nunes is he's not dropping back as much. He hasn't learned English yet. And at the moment, he's raw talent, but he needs to work on his game. With Gakpo, it's like, right, we've eased him in already. Half a season, he's looking fantastic. Give him a full pre-season and next season. And who knows? He, he, the sky's the limit for him. He really is. And speaking of the
0: sky being the limit, Bakayo Saka signed a new contract at Arsenal. Apparently, a new four year deal, keeping them there until 2027 after his previous deal was supposed to be coming up at the end of next season.
1: He's a good boy. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a very likable isn't He, <laughs> <laughs> he is. <laughs> good player, but he just seems like a nice guy as well. So, um, yeah, they, they've they got a good young squad, Arsenal, apart from, you know, 45 year old Granite Xhaka. But, he's going, um,
0: apparently, he's going to Leverkusen, I read this morning. Xhaka.
1: He's he's a strange player, Jacob. That's a discussion for another time. But um yeah, Saka he's had a great season, what can we say? He's nearly had a Premier League winners medal. Um back in Europe, I think next season now he's got this contract, now he's committed his future. It'll be interesting to see how Arsenal evolve and if he can improve on his numbers
0: yeah big time and then finally mm. the and finally section of the news has Mikel Arteta and this is an astonishing story because Mikel Arteta brought in a chocolate Labrador at the Arsenal training ground a dog called Win, to boost spirits Arteta explained I feel like we are a family and we need a dog to represent that family I carefully chose the dog and in my opinion it's the perfect representative of who we are right now her name is Win. we all love winning and Win needs a lot of love so the love for win that bas- <laughs> that was basically the feeling. That quote there belongs at the start of Mike Bassett, England manager. And <laughs> uh, The reaction from the players and the staff has been incredible. She is one of us. She is going to be on this journey with us together. Wynn needs accountability from us because we have to look after her as well, her emotions and what she needs. Now, this brings up an interesting discussion because it's not the first time Michael Arteta. I mean, first and foremost, if I was a player for Arsenal and I was greeted by a chocolate labrador every day at work, I'd be... Tickety boo with that. I'd be tickle pink. It'd be a fantastic way to start the day. But <laughs> is Mikel Arteta he's either got, in my opinion, a an astonishing low opinion of what his Arsenal players can understand verbally? with all hmm. these visual cues and these physical cues, like a bloody chocolate Labrador. Or he's an actual <laughs> genius, because you go back through the annals of Arsenal, well, Arteta's time at Arsenal. He was the manager who played You'll Never Walk Alone over the speakers while they were training to replicate the, the, the atmosphere at Anfield, for, even though, it, you know, no it d- crowd noise. It didn't noise. work. No, it didn't work. It work,
1: didn't work. work. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, still. do you know what the score was in the, the meeting after that game? I can't remember, me. No, I can't. I can't even remember what I have a breakfast. I just remember there was a big thing about it. So I'd oh, be interesting, and then I think we tonked them. Um, d- don't hold me to that, but yeah, pretty sure we won. He used a light bulb to
0: stress the importance of collections or oh, connections. I-, I guess that should say. Otherwise, well, it says collections. Uh, he also re- <laughs> he also revealed uh, that he's used a Spanish. Sorry, the Spaniard used a miniature olive tree to demonstrate the the, the need to nurture and grow together. Again, why he needs a, a physical prop to explain these things, I don't know. Has he just does he think his players are idiots? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this tree. Trees grow, and the branches stay on the tree, therefore they stay together. Look, you wouldn't
1: have understood that but didn't use this little tree. <laughs> it's like when you'd have a school assembly in primary school, and like one of the teachers would take it and tell a parable. And they'd be like, and of course, that's why, I don't know. There's no I in team, but there is an I in meat pie. You know, that kind of thing. You can Aww. imagine him saying that and having a meat pie with him. But... I
0: hope he's got little rhymes for certain things. Like when I was learning the the, the, the days of the week in French, lundi, mardi, mercredi, jeudi, vendredi, samedi, et dimanche. France, France, France. I hope he's got stuff like that going on. Like for for pressing and tactics and stuff like that. They're all sitting in the dressing room together. We go together, four words. There we are, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean though.
1: The way I always remembered Mercury in French is when I was learning it, my dad said, just think of it like this. Imagine your mates coming to pick you up in the car and you just ask, is the Merc ready? And I'm just like, I was like, Dad, I'm uh, I'm 11 years old. None of my friends have a Mercedes. (laughs) might have had toy ones you never know so there ah, we go never know.
0: that was the big news i think from the week in the soccer we now move on to the next highlight this is the pilot we will have fancy jingles and whatnot ready for next time hopefully i swear it's the highlight of the week Now, I'll bring something to the table which I found astonishing waking up on Monday morning. Obviously, Graeme Souness has left Sky Sports just before the end of the season there. Nobody knew what he was doing. I think it was Sally Nugent from BBC Breakfast put a teaser tweet out saying, oh, we don't know what Graham Souness is going to do next. Find out tomorrow morning on BBC Breakfast. And little did we know that we were going to find out that Graham Souness has actually got a soul and feelings that aren't Paul Pogba must die. This is an amazing (laughs) thing to watch. Um, He plans to swim the channel, does Graham Souness, for a charity. Called Deborah, which supports people living with ep- I've not even practiced this before doing
1: this, I should have practiced <laughs> this. Do you want to give it a go, Jarkins? Because I'll just make a tit of myself. Uh, Epidemolysis oh, Bullosa I'm yeah. going with that. Yeah,
0: it's and it's just if you, you just have to go and watch the interview he did on BBC Breakfast, he did. Interviews elsewhere. He's got this little girl with him that I should have got the name of, but it's. Uh, he starts crying every time he sees her. Basically, it's just it's a wonderful thing to see. It's a very obviously a very fitting cause to to support with doing something like
1: swimming the channel when you're 101 years old. I mean, you'll never hear much bad Marvin or Graham Souness out my mouth. He made some mistakes as Liverpool manager, of course. Gave an interview with you know the paper that we don't mention. Um, but yeah, it's easy. He's all right, Graeme Souness. He's he's spoken about homophobia in the sport as well and saying that, you know, he's he went to, was it Pride and Brighton and got educated and had a great time with his family. Although he is, you know, when you think of oh, who's an old school midfielder and you think of Graeme Souness with a moustache kicking people in the neck. But this is fantastic. I mean, even if I trained for a year at my age, in my mid-30s, I'd be like, oh, swim in the channel. That's a bit rough, but... I'll dream He so must be mid sixties now,
0: if not more. Yeah, I yeah. mean, just the, my perspective. Apart from Sky Sports, he's just taken Sir Bobby Robson's team from Champions League to fourteenth in the league in, the, in less than a season. So he's come a long way since those days. <laughs> Obviously, if you want to learn more, we'll stick the description to Deborah, the charity Deborah, in the in the chat in the description down below. It's a it's a, a wonderful thing to watch him. Go through it like he goes and visits this little lass at her home and whatnot, has a little chat with him on the couch. You'll be having a tear in the eye, let me tell you. But uh, Jarkins, yeah. what's your highlight of the week?
1: I mean, I'm gonna be biased this week. It was it was Bobby Firmino's farewell at Liverpool. We we were I was at a wedding on Friday and um, the best man. Is you know he goes to every home game and he was like he was like I've been drinking all day today I'm emotional from this wedding but I tell you what tomorrow when Firmino says bye I'm going to be in floods of tears <laughs> and just seeing the whole cop singing his name and him there with a tear in his eye there was a mural we love a mural around speaking here, but about there's...
0: that mural do you see the little badge <laughs> that was in the window right next to it no Everton's catchphrase
1: nil saints whatever it is <laughs> nil Satis nisi optimum whatever yeah. it is yeah <laughs> yeah. Possibly a few too many murals, but you know, the great tributes to the great players. But that's that's all we were talking about before the match. Obviously, we were thinking. No one I know, even going into the the Villa match, thought we had a hope in hell of getting the Champions League. We have played terrible all season. We don't deserve it. If if we get it, it would not be down to us playing well. Be to like, well, hopefully United now absolutely spunking it. But um, we were just thinking, oh, gonna miss Bobby. Gonna miss him. Are and they like going we... to
0: spunk it? Because Man United have got—they're uh, at home to Chelsea on Thursday, then they're
1: at home to Fulham on Sunday.
0: You wouldn't think so, would you?
1: I think they'll take four points. I think they'll beat Chelsea, and I think they'll draw with Fulham. Oh, score draw two. Desmond two two. Why not? Yeah, let's, let's have a Desmond. there
0: goals in that game. Obviously, Liverpool have uh, Southampton away on Sunday. It's a long way to travel down. I've just realised I've picked that soonest thing over Newcastle getting to the Champions League. That's how much the little has touch <laughs> you. <laughs> Honest to God, it's amazing. It's it, it super-seas football. I don't think we need to say that when it comes to sort of charities like Debrim, the work they're doing. When you see the visuals of who the help, and it, 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 you shouldn't have to say it, but I am going to say it, it's supersedes football. It's a stupid thing to say, but I'm saying well, it anyway.
1: You've, <laughs> you've made me look like an arsehole now for picking Bobby Firmino, because you were at St. James's the other night, weren't you?
0: I was at St. James's the other night, it was fantastic. Well, the game was, was, the game was very frustrating. We should have won, but we didn't win, and we got a nil-nil. Nick Pope makes that save at the end, where James Madison yeah. did this wonderful set-piece routine playing tiki-taka around our wall players and whatnot, and then Nick Pope makes that save, yeah, we get away with it, and... Champions League qualification secured, I think we deserve it. We've I know there's been a lot made about time waste and all that stuff. Well, it's time wasted when Newcastle do it, but when the other teams do it, it's game it's wonderful game management. It's dark arts when Newcastle do it. Or it's just what you have to do when other teams do it, depends who, who's um, who's doing the dark arts, I should say. But uh, just the job Eddie Howe's done where we were. You know, November 2021 when he took over no wins to where we are now it's in the players he's took along it's not all about the money Like I think we spent the same as Leeds about 160 yeah. million or something like that and look where Leeds are compared to where we are in the same period of time I think I saw that in the press the other day I hope I'm right there but you look at Joe Linton and that's and, uh, awesome Joe Willock who I reckon might have been in Wichelt with an England call-up he didn't get injured against um, the game before Leicester, who was it against? I can't remember now. Your memory's gone blank. I can't remember where I'm for breakfast, like you. Anyway, he <laughs> did his hamstring in. Um, you look at like Dan Burn, unfashionable signing. He's taken him to you know. A, he's played most games at left back this year. When I think, in my opinion, he's clearly a centre back. He's not really a left back. He can't get forward. He's not very t- like. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Not very. His touch isn't the best, I should say, something like yeah. that. And just the players he's brought on, a couple with the likes of Isaac coming in and Bruno. It's just it's been a wonderful time to be a Newcastle fan. There's always that little bit in the back of the mind of where the money's coming from. Don't get me wrong, but what am I meant to do as a fan? What am I meant to do?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what kind of players you attract this season. It's a worrying.
0: T- it's also it's a nice time because you know, I'm not used to Champions League. I'd rather be at that end of the league compared to where we've been. Yeah. Largely under the Mike Ashley era. But the way Eddie Howe plays is my big worry. I might do a video on this um, ahead of next season because keeping that up, Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, if we want to get runs in that as well, the, we're going to need literally two players for every position. And I don't know if yeah. we'll get that quality in the space of one summer.
1: But he's, he's been my manager of the season, Eddie Howe. I think the job he's done has been fantastic. And like you said, you've spent, but you've not Spunked. gone hell for leather. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of spunk in this podcast, but... Yeah, the the job he's done is fantastic. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that you'll be hunting around top four, if not higher, next season. Because again, before a ball was kicked, when I was talking to yourself and our oh, good pal Aiden Gibbons, Aiden was hoping for top half of the table and a good cup run. I think that was
0: because Eddie Howe said the Champions League wasn't the aim and he said like just it was the aim was to be better than last season I think that's all Newcastle fans wanted was just to see that little bit of progression he didn't think that Botman was going to be as good as he is because he came to Newcastle like you know just after we fought our way out of a relegation fight into a sort of mid-table obscurity place Um, but he's Uh, if we don't get Champions League next year, I'd be worried about keeping him and Bruno in particular because they are that good. I mean, Fabian Shaw is another guy who's come on leaps and bounds. He couldn't get a game under Steve Bruce. Now he's part of one of the better centre-half partnerships in the league. There's loads of players who've just come on leaps and bounds and then there's, there's obviously the quality added as well. It's just... Yeah, he has been astonishing. It's that, that gap that gap, yeah, he had, looking at Simeone and whatnot. Because <laughs> that was the thing when he took over. was Everyone was like, oh, Bournemouth couldn't defend for Toffey. Newcastle are the same under Bruce. They're going to be even worse under Eddie Howe because he plays even more open football. Than, well, Steve Bruce didn't play any brand of football, but Eddie Howe plays an <laughs> open brand of football. Newcastle's going to concede 100 goals. going to have to score 101 to, to at least stay up. Um, so, yeah, it's been amazing to see his development as well from what he was at Bournemouth to now, because it felt like at Bournemouth he didn't have what he has now at Newcastle.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean, you're saying about players who've come on leaps and bounds, Joe Linton you, you were all yeah. calling for his head this time last year and now he's an absolute destroyer Miggy Almiron, what Is He's dropped off bed? a
0: bit to be fair but that purple patch before the World Cup it was astonishing.
1: <laughs> yeah, considering he scored like, what, like a handful of goals in a couple of seasons to just banging him in week after week after week
0: I need to do a fantastic video on turnaround. the story of Joe Lytton because the way he became Patrick Vieira is one of the best stories in football. Kieran Clark, <laughs> Kieran Clark gets a red card at home to Norwich, right? when well, it looks like we're doomed at this point. It was like the turn of the year, early 2022. And he gets a red card very early on in a home game against Norwich, who were also down there. And then Joe Lytton has to drop back and then just destroys Norwich. And then ever since then, he's destroyed
1: everybody else. It's fantastic. <laughs> we, we had a similar thing, not, not quite to the... Same leaps and bounds, but uh, with Lucas because when we had obviously young, long-haired Lucas and he was more of an attacking midfielder and he's a bit crap and we hated him. Drop him deep. oh we were gutted when he left. He he turned it round. It's just and again with um, Alden when we when we bought him from Newcastle, he was a, a winger. and We dropped him more into a kind of central playmaker and like he saw him tear Barcelona apart from the bench. It's. Sometimes it's weird that someone can be at such a high level of the game and at such a point in their career, and then someone just goes, oh, Go in that position instead. They go, oh yeah, this makes so much more sense now. It's, it's- amazing
0: with Joe Linton as well because you watch interviews like like players picking their like dream five sides or whatever. And all, all like most players you would see would pick Joe Linton because of how he wasn't mm. training. And then he play up front under Steve Bruce and looked like he never kicked the ball in his life because he <laughs> it's just not a centre forward. We signed him as <laughs> I think he played sort of uh, like attacking midfield left as one of these football managers to speak like that sort of role for Hoffenheim. And we spent forty million quid on this guy and he looked awful. And then he's just he's become. I don't, I'm not taking the piss when I say this. Prime Patrick Vieira, he's all over the place. He's astonishing. <laughs> a snippet at 40 million. I don't let me tell you. Um, but that's it. That's, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these things and people are going to watch them anyway. It's all true. We move on now to a segment. <laughs> believe me, honestly. We move on now to a segment called Twat of the Week. Now, normally, myself and Jackins would come with two different options, which we might put to a vote or a poll or something like that on the socials, but on YouTube, but we've both come with the same person this week. Uh Jarkins, let you take it away.
1: Well, originally I was going to say Bernardo Silva because I'm just going to say him every week because I can't stand Bernardo Silva. And I don't What's like he seeing done him this happy. Week? Oh, he's just he's happy, isn't he? I don't like seeing that. <laughs> uh, I'll, f- I'll
0: forever have a, a soft spot for Bernardo Silva because of his dog. His dog's yeah. called John because he likes John Stones a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it's a little French bulldog he's got, and it's called John just because he likes
1: John Stones a lot that doesn't matter he's still a twat in my eyes Bernardo but...
0: from Portugal has a little dog called John that's a fact I think to, having to it. celebrate
1: <laughs> but this week yeah only one twat of the week it's La Liga president Javier Tebas mm-hmm. um, like we were saying before with the Vinicius um, incident that happened just the way it's been handled is terrible because um, obviously you mentioned before Vinicius put out a statement on Twitter saying how you know La Liga belongs to the racists And Tebas, rather than, you know, supporting him in private or, you know, putting out a statement about how they're going to take a zero-tolerance approach to racism, he tweeted this instead. And this has been translated by Google Translate. He's put, since those who should not explain to you what it is and what it can do at La Liga in cases of racism. We have tried to explain it to you, but you've not shown up for either of the two agreed dates that you requested yourself. Before criticizing and insulting La Liga, it is necessary, to, necessary that you inform yourself properly at Vinny Jr. Do not let yourself be manipulated and make sure you fully understand each other's competencies and the work we've been doing together. The brass neck on this man. Jobs worth. Yeah, utterly tone deaf, not the time. You know, even if that's what he thinks, these are frustrations he should be, if saying in private to members of his staff, publicly, he needs to be saying there is no room in the sport for this. We need to stamp this out. We need to get this out and support this player who is a generational talent. He's fantastic. He's... Like I can't stand Real Madrid. I've said about Juventus before being baddies Real Madrid are up there for me. And why, you know, why give... is
0: that, Chagans? Can you run me through maybe the past maybe five years of like football finals? Potentially, like why you'd hate Real Madrid.
1: I mean, and every time they do spank Liverpool, Vinicius Junior is usually the star in role. But <laughs> it was just the fact as well that you know Real Madrid recently be like, oh, we've got no money, but we might um, we might buy Mbappe and Bellingham this summer. It's like, all right, lads, calm down. That's me getting off the point anyway. It's, I can't even remember where I was going then. But yeah, Vinicius Junior, the, the La Liga is a better watch for him being in there. He's a fantastic player. Um, regardless of whether he's a star player or whether he's a bench warmer for, you know, whoever, for Granada, they need to be supporting the players. They need to be saying, right, here's what we can do. Here's what we're going to do. Don't worry, we'll support you. But instead he's trying to be all sanctimonious saying, well, if you educate yourself, we're here to help you, but you didn't turn up. The lad's just been (laughs) racially abused and physically assaulted on the pitch. He's no shove it up your ass.
0: he's the victim here he's trying to you know tabas is trying to make himself the victim of this situation somehow and yeah. it's just it's it's not it's not the response he should have had i don't know what else we say we could have come with a second option to maybe see who is the biggest twat of the week but nobody's getting past uh who's uh, yeah. javier tabas this week only.
1: i had um i had a whole diatribe written about again the uh pg pgmol the uh Premier League I can't even remember what it means but the referees basically but as soon as that happened and I so- saw Tabas' tweet, I was just dumbfounded. I was yeah. like, there's, there's no way. There's no way he's actually put that out. So. People and like been...
0: him is why we're still in the mess we are with that sort of stuff. There needs to be more people who do more decisive stuff when it comes to issues like that. Because as you said, it doesn't matter who it is, but Vinicius, with the profile he has and the team he plays for, there's a real chance to sort of set a stall with like yeah. at the top, of the, the very tippy top of the game and having that same effect trickle down through the rest of it. But just he went completely the opposite way and it's just the wrong thing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna have to backtrack a lot and you know fall over himself to smooth this over. But like I said before, this is gonna this is gonna rumble on. This is definitely gonna rumble on.
0: We've got Tebas' is two out of the week, deservedly so. We might as well mention what you were going to mention. Just you know, just a t- chat about it. Why not? What are we gonna, what are we going to bring to the table on the old on the old referees front?
1: It's just the fact that you know, obviously, from a Liverpool perspective, we we got some terrible decisions at the weekend. It's I've been saying for years now obviously referees deserve support they deserve respect they should be able to perform their duties and feel safe obviously Jürgen Klopp he's a bit of a knobhead towards refs he's our knobhead but he's still a knobhead but just the stuff with at the end of each match when they have you know when they interview both managers and the interview man of the match i just like them to have a word with the fourth official and just to say some big calls there how do you see this, this, and this? And for him to say, letter of the law is this, you know, blah, 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 blah. The fact you can't criticise a ref without getting fined out the arse, et That they're, they're too protected, which sounds a bit daft. No, it doesn't. Obviously, obviously the stuff of um, Tierney and Klopp, and um, they said, yep, Tierney said nothing wrong. Release the audio then. We're not going to do that. We're going to stand him down, but he's done nothing wrong. It's, there's no transparency we've seen it in other sports that the mic up the refs um rugby famously uh, i think cricket as well yeah uh fine works brilliantly but there's just it's it's gone too far i think we've got a breed of arrogant refs in the premier league as well um especially in the last decade or so as the profile of the game's gotten bigger like i had no love lost for howard Webb not due to you know People saying, oh, he's a man, you ref, blah, 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 blah. He thought he was the star of the show. Mike Dean did as well. It's like, no one's here to see the footballers. They're here to see me call the action. It's like, no, you should be anonymous. If I'm noticing you, you're doing your job terribly. Yeah. And until this generation, this crop of referees is phased out and they can bring in a new crop that have been taught from the ground up to work with VAR, etc., it's just going to be a complete mess.
0: I thought that segment they did on Sky Sports with Howard Webb was quite refreshing. Apart from the fact they only showed examples where VAR got it right. We'll get that on yeah. there because that that's what they did. But hearing, I don't know why they can't play the audio that's going on while they're making the decisions in the stadium since what the, de- like, the place the decision's being made is miles away from any stadium in the Premier League so they're not going to be affected by the crowd even if the, the you know they get the sound from the TV companies anywhere I assume in the in the little VA and Stanley Park and um, so that could have affected calls already which it obviously hasn't you would think so why can't they then just play the the like, make it transparent as you say play the stuff they're saying in the stadium so at least the fans first and foremost have something to go off while they're making these calls that can sometimes take up the five minutes we have seen even this season um yeah. But also, just so they're not left scratching their heads. But it, as you say, yeah, the, the, making referees come out after a game and saying this is why I made that call is something that should have... We've been calling it for at least 20 years now, haven't we? And it just yeah. never happens.
1: But like I said, even if it is the fourth official, so you, you are still affording that layer of protection around the ref himself. If you've just got someone from the team saying this, this, this and this, like you said, rather than going to Howard Webb who's going to tow the company line and you know protect his charges, it's something needs to change because again like I was saying that, that offside decision against Liverpool the other day the only people seemingly who've called it offside are the current referees retired referees are just like I could see why they've called it that but it's wrong and players are just saying that's not offside it's <laughs> has it potentially cost us a Champions League place probably not it was out of our hands but who knows
0: yeah, nice. who does know? It? But uh, if, 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 for example, the referee from that game, if he came out after the game and said, here's why we gave that call. I'm sorry, it's human error. I know VAR is supposed to eliminate human error. It's supposed to be clear and obvious, all that bollocks that we've heard from them before. If he came out and said, hold my hands up, it's a mistake. Would that help at all as a fan who watched that game?
1: It would, yeah. I'd still be annoyed by it because you're just like, oh, there's incompetencies. But it's, it's like when a player has a bad game or a manager has a bad you know, tactical decision or whatever and they come out and hold their hands up afterwards, even if you're annoyed with it, you're just like, well, at least they've accepted it and hopefully they can work on it going forward. We know nothing about the refs. Mm-hmm. We we don't know anything apart from the letter of the law. It's like the
0: Wizard of Oz but ever so slightly different.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, it's so time to debut the best segment in the history of Football podcast. It's it's called "What Happened to That Wonder Kid," hosted by Jenkins. Every single time we do it, it's his segment. I'm happy to go with whatever you want to do with this one, Jack. We've not talked about this. I can't wait to see who you've rolled up on the on the on the old podcast today.
1: So, seeing as this is you know the first episode of the podcast, the pilot, the debut, call it what you want, we'll go with an easy one. And someone who's been in the news this week, it's Pato, Alexander Pato, Chelsea Those, great, it, Chelsea Chelsea great, Alexander Pato. Those. <laughs> Like, when he was at Milan, I've got the stats up here. Early years at AC Milan, 150 appearances, 63 goals. Serie A title, a Supercoppa Italia, uh, Supercoppa Italia Cup. Had the world at his feet at age just 21. He wasn't even, he was still playing behind Inzaghi and Zlatan as well. So, came out of nowhere, set the league on fire and then... After that, whenever you think of him, you're just like, oh, injuries ruined his career. So season 10, uh, 2010-2011, he missed 15 games for Milan. And the 2011-2012 season, he missed 36. He stayed at Milan until he was 23, took the number nine shirt from Inzaghi. And then in 2013, aged just 23, sold to Corinthians for 15 million euros, which at the time I was like, that's a backward step. Yeah, Injuries or not, that's That's ridiculous. I mean, the 12-13 season he'd already missed 15 games from the lab, but whatever. It, it just seemed like what are they doing? They're, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Um But then he didn't set the world on fire. Corinthians, he was criticised routinely for spending chances. Arsenal build bid just six million pounds to sign him at age twenty-three. And Corinthians said, Oh no, we'd rather have 10 million quid for him. <laughs> Well yeah, said, well, yeah,
0: was that sorry when Arsenal bid from? Uh,
1: 2013, apparently.
0: 2013. So that would have be like when Giroud was there, and
1: yeah. So this is a 23, 24 year old Pato here. Mm. Um, Corinthians loaned him to Sao Paulo in 2014, then Chelsea in 2016. And I remember when Chelsea got almost I was like, right. I was like, it's Pato. Doesn't matter what's happened. It's Pato. He'll regain his form. It'll be even though it's for Chelsea, it will be a joy to see him in the league. Uh, he wouldn't scored a pen on his debut and made one more appearance and that was it. Uh, 2016, he was sold to Villarreal for €3 million Euros at 26, when he was meant to be in his prime, €3 million. Euros. He's got
0: a good agent to get to Villarreal. I can't remember how high up the table Villarreal were at that point, but, you know, historically, they're more mm. towards the top than not, you would say, in, in Spain and La
1: Liga. Yeah, exactly, but even then at Villarreal, 24 appearances, 6 goals, You're like, not bad. Yeah. And you talk about how good is... Agent is, he was sold to, it was, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, uh, Tianjan Quanzhan, the Chinese club. Right. I probably butchered that. For 18 million euros <laughs> in January 2017. <laughs> Nothing fishy going right on there. He got
0: his weekly wage there by any chance, because I reckon it might have been, well, it would have been six figures, but how high into yeah. the six figures that we talking?
1: Yeah, I haven't got it to hand, but he's probably <laughs> paid out of the arse. But 60 appearances, 36 goals. Whoa! Yeah. Went back to Sao Paulo on a free in March 2019. (laughs) Left in August 2020 after 35 appearances and nine goals. Went to Orlando City in 2021. Got injured in his debut and underwent surgery. Then uh, came back, 32 appearances and four goals. And this week, they reckon he's back to Sao Paulo. He's 33 and they reckon he's going to be on eight grand a week at Sao Paulo.
0: (laughs) I mean, Man, does, does that matter when you've been to China for a few years?
1: <laughs> well, exactly. I, I saw some quotes from him, and he was like, you know, they, they were giving him potential Ballon d'Ors when he was still twenty, weren't they? You, you remember as, as well as I will at Milan. He was just a dribbling machine. He was absolutely, he was incredible. We all did think as a generational talent. He's going to be, you know, if he continues at this pace, he's going to be a shoo-in for greatest of a generation. But when I actually looked at his, his injury record, there was those two seasons at Milan and this last one at Orlando City, where he was you know out pretty much the whole season. Apart from that, like we say in there, um, Villarreal, 24 appearances in one season, 60 appearances in two years in China, uh, 35 appearances in one season in Sao Paulo. He, he, he got his injury worries out of the way, but he just never regained that form.
0: I was and just looking it's... at his height there because to me he always I always remember thinking sort of like the late noughties when he was at his pomp for Milan. Yeah, this is the next Messi. But then I say he's five foot nine, so he's way too tall for that. So we'll go for the next Aguero. It felt like that, <laughs> even though Aguero wasn't even that old then either. It just felt like yeah, he's that that sort of similar, just clinical forward man who has you know yeah. the ticky tackers about him and that sort of stuff.
1: He he did always look really squat. I'm not sure if that's because he was stood near Zlatan, who's like seven foot tall, and potentially. Yeah, Inzaghi, who's you know always looked quite lanky because he's quite lean, but the drop off from him, I never thought never thought it would goers. Well, I say as bad for that. He's probably made a handsome living regardless. He still played football for a job and lived the dream and he seemingly has no regrets. He's, he's got his family and his, I think he's got his religion as well. He's Brazilian and probably he does. Um, Yeah, but he's he's the, the ultimate one for our generation when you say what could have been yeah. is Pato. He's up there che- sure. That Chelsea move though, it was... God, I didn't think it would go that badly. Two appearances.
0: Yeah, it just. I, remember, I do remember when he signed for Chelsea, because it was that year when Ch- nothing went right for Chelsea, wasn't it, Where uh, they got rid of Mourinho. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't in the best Chelsea team ever, but even still you think like... But then again, that might be... that might. Let's blame Chelsea for this, right? Because you look at all the centre-forwards they sign. Falcao. <laughs> Joe Felix this season. Pato. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's more. Look, Remy. Denver Bar. Yeah. <laughs> Never goes right for them at Chelsea. So there we go. There's the story of Pater Who, you know, kids of our age. You're a little bit older. Just ever so slightly older than me. I'm in my thirties now. Um, he was one of the. He was one of the ones to watch, wasn't
1: he, back in the day? Oh, definitely. But like I said, I thought I thought it eases in for this first one. But so there uh, we go. That's what happened to that wonder kid. That's what happened to that wonder kid. Jingle. Incoming.
0: So we'll end this football podcast <laughs> with the big question, which is just here for SEO reasons. Let's just get it out there. Why the hell not? Should Vinicius Junior, after everything that's gone on, everything we've gone through during today's podcast, should he leave La Liga for pastures? And you know, it's something he inferred that he could do to get away, in his words, from the racists. Is it something he should do? Or should he potentially stay in La Liga and just fight the good fight, I guess is the way to put it, maybe? Is that the right way
1: to put it? I don't know. I mean whatever he wants he can do whatever he wants to do really he's that good he's that young he's that prolific he's already won everything at Real Madrid 10 times over Um if he stays at Madrid I'm sure you know with this big rebuild that's coming he'll be part of you know another trophy laden side for years to come Um but if he does leave you know does he, does he end up in the tune? does he uh <laughs> Does he it, go to Man City? There's only a handful of teams that I could really afford to splash the cash on him, couldn't he? The yeah. prospect of him in Haaland at City. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's
0: disgusting. That is yeah. absolutely disgusting. I reckon Jack Grealish might be a bit, a bit struggling for a game. <laughs> that mm. happens. Um, he's only 22 years of age. It's, um, he's got, already got 21 caps for Brazil. I'm just reading here. Already closing in 150 league games for Real Madrid at the age of 22, 34 goals from the wing. is very good indeed. I think after the comments of the, the top dog, uh, La Liga, I think he's got to go I think he's just yeah. got to say, stick two fingers up I know that with Madrid and Barcelona it might not affect La Liga's finances all too much because of everything else that Real Madrid and Barcelona have, but for him and to send a message to La Liga as a league, just saying this is not on I think if he just just said to Madrid this is what happened, this is what being said by the, the, you know, the person who handles our league basically and, and ensures, not ensures our safety is the right way to put it, but you know Brings in the sanctions for stuff that happens to us as people, you know. He's a person at the end of the day. Not just a yeah. football. he's a person. I think he just goes two fingers. I'll see you later. And then Madrid have got that issue of trying to find a buyer, as you say. It's only one of maybe three or four or five teams in the in the world. Or China. Someone from China, you never know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Get Pato, Pato on the phone. He'll put on a good word. I'm joking um, about
0: that, by the way. Just in case the comments go wild. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's... Yeah, I'd, I'd like to... I, I'd like to imagine a world where if he walks then other players from other teams walk and say we've had enough of this but you know money talks at the end of the day and I, I can imagine the league will be after this latest gaffe will be bending over themselves backwards to make things right to him and apologise to him and Madrid and if they don't then Christ definitely get out of there if they're not willing to backtrack on what's happened but I don't know it's He's in the fortunate position that whatever he wants to do, he can do. Like yeah. we were saying before, that it doesn't matter if he's you know a starter for Real Madrid or you know a youth player down the bottom of the league, that he should be treated as a human being, regardless of the colour of his skin. But in this situation, it does help that he is who he is, because if he wants out of there, no problem. He, yeah. can, he can play anywhere.
0: I mean, obviously it doesn't help us two can't relate to anything on that scale you know sat here as two white lads and whatever but if you, you felt like if something happened to us in that way and then we watched the sanctions that got brought in that could and should have been a lot more and a lot more severe than they were you'd be thinking how where what's it going to take for something like monumental to happen because that's what it needs to happen something big, yeah um from the you know the, the the what am i trying to say here The the the, the logistical side of football i guess the 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 admin side
1: of football that's what I'm trying to say well I mean like I said I'm sat here as a Liverpool fan who once upon a time we had Luis Suarez at at the club and the way we handled the Patrice Everest situation was like at at the time us as fans we didn't want to believe that one of our heroes was you know an arsehole basically and we were just like, you know, some of us bought into the, some of the stuff. It was like, oh, no, he wasn't saying that. It's been lost in translation, blah, blah, blah. And then the stuff of the T-shirts, famously, was a terrible move. And then, you know, we all had to hold our hands up at the end of the day and say, no, he's just he's just a bit of a, bit of a tit, isn't he, Luis Suarez. So y- you want to believe the best in people and you want to hope that this kind of thing won't happen again. But like Vinicius has said, this is what, the umpteenth time he's been abused and there's problems of racism, you know, every league you can think of, so I don't know they they need to start properly stamping stamping it out, tackling this problem at the at the root. Yeah. And
0: it's it's yeah. not going to be it's got I reckon it's got to be a flat thing. Like if you've got whether it be three fans like it is with Valencia, or even more that we've seen in, in you know, I think, Hungary springs to mind. Uh, the recent, well, recent-ish England game that, play, that was played in Hungary, there was issues there. No matter how many people are involved, I think, a flat like find a flat like stadium band for fans i think just across the board i think yeah. that would stamp it help to stamp it out rather than going like oh it was it was three fans so we'll close that bit of the ground because nobody else around the ground was even thinking that sort of thing you don't know that do you so i think it's something something standard that could be implemented by every league around the world i think that would help
1: yeah because we've we've seen it more in premier league with regards to homophobic chanting um you know that a famous chant that's been leveled at Chelsea for years. That's starting to be cracked down with threats of individual stadium bands and stuff like that. And you hear those chants a lot less, but you still hear them. And it's all a work in progress, obviously it's a different issue, but if the, like you said, they have got to have it down and right and say, if this happens, this will happen. doesn't matter who you are. This will happen. Um, but I don't know I'm, I've am got no faith in any of the governing bodies of world football really so I'll be hopeful that it happens but also surprised if it happens
0: yeah I'm in the same boat as you so there we go we've come to the end of the first ever cultaholic football So, oh my god I got right at the end of the video and I've just said the <laughs> wrong thing <laughs> the first ever hold and give football podcast how do you think it went I think it went alright for a first go around yeah it went alright yeah um
1: like we said this is a, a pilot so hopefully you get a couple of things ironed out I'll, I'll sort my mic levels better next time <laughs> both my cats are asleep near me luckily they haven't caused a ruckus so I'll make sure they're out of the way I'll try and get into the wonderful city of Newcastle for a, a few whenever I can and but yeah I think okay I'm not well, going to well, say well, we were crap even if we were but we you know we're, we're grand me and but you we're the season pros
0: of course we are show business what do you call yourself the hardest working man men in show business that's what he says in the office back in the yeah. day um, but are, yeah, they like, are they like uh, Win the dog at Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> those cats down there
1: <laughs> they do put me in a good mood apart from if they come near me and start licking their jazzles very loudly which they are want to do usually when I'm watching a film um, I mean you want to do
0: that alone don't you know with cats doing the same thing as well around you
1: yeah, of course. I'm just like don't don't look at me, don't make eye contact, you'll ruin the mood. <laughs> uh, but out no, there I I love my cats. I know you're more of a dog man and animals are just nice, aren't they? They're they good nice. lads all of them
0: are even the ugly ones anyway (laughs) um, so yeah let us know in the the comments down below anything you you liked about the podcast anything you hated about the podcast let me know if you'd be interested in the mailbag segment uh, which I might as well put it out there ross at holdandgive.com is the address if you want to send in a mailbag question and if if we we get some we'll we'll add it to the podcast next week but it's been a, a nice tight hour of content this week just a little bit over so a nice length I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, but a little bit of how the how the sausage is made talked about a nice length. Um, we we only really agreed on the format yesterday, <laughs> and the content about an hour before we went live, we were just like, right, let's look at this, 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 and this. But considering we're not we're not flying by the seat of our pants, but I think we've done all right.
0: We've done all right. So there you go. Yeah. That is the first ever hold and give football podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at hold give follow Jar atkins at his thing there look at that i've made a fancy thing well owen made it thank you owen he made a fancy thing i'm not going to take credit to and um, follow me on instagram at ross on wrestling and then we'll see you next week we'll do some more things the thing i will will